Welcome to Unpacking the Digital Shelf, where we explore brand manufacturing in the digital age. Hey everyone, Peter Crosby here from the Digital Shelf Institute. With acquisition costs rising and margins tightening, expanding the value of the customers you already have is the new growth strategy. Now with more app users than Starbucks, closing in on 12 million in the US, Fetch Rewards is supercharging the ongoing engagement of consumers with their favorite brands. Wes Schroll, CEO and founder, joined Rob and me to talk about the opportunities available to brands to both monetize and innovate through creating loyalty at scale. So Wes, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's it's great to have you on. Uh, Fetch Rewards has been on such a a juggernaut journey of late. Matter of fact, back in April, you raised another $210 million in a Series D round uh, led by SoftBank. It was based on a billion-dollar valuation. Uh, how are you enjoying your unicorn status? <laughs> For whatever it means. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I remember talking with the team shortly after it. And at the end of the day, the way that we view it is it's just external validation that the hard work that we are doing, the relentless focus on consumer uh, experience and, and delivering a world-class app gets appreciated by investors and you know by the market. And people get really bullish off of the longevity and long-term potential of companies that can do that um, because it's, it's becoming harder and harder to break through and have world-class applications that have engagement um, you know, at the level that we do. We actually have more daily active users than Starbucks, according to App, to App Annie now. Um, so to get that level of engagement and usage uh, and only being around for four and a half years since we launched the product, I think is rare. And so, you know, the unicorn, the the, the unicorn uh, valuation or name, uh, it, it felt fitting. It was appreciated. And then the team rolled up its sleeves and be like, all right, far from done though. So let's just What do our going. consumers need next, right? What Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, More than is- Starbucks. More than <laughs> Starbucks. That's, that's amazing. That's hot off the press. I know it's, it's, a, it's an amazing stat. And we, we love App Annie just because it, it does allow you to really see apples to apples, these other amazing applications that are out there that we all use, uh, you know, on a frequent basis. And to, to have our name next to some of those behemoths is just, it, it, it's awesome. It's really awesome. Oh, awesome. Congratulations. And, and I think, you know, because now uh, the last stat I had was more than 11 million users in your app. Is there an updated number? It, it's, we're knocking on the door of 12. Uh, every time I check, it seems to go up, which is, which is we're Good. super thankful for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, really excited. We think that uh, we're fairly underpenetrated into the U.S. still, actually. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge market. We believe that our product is super relevant to your average everyday household. And that's what we want to do. We want to help everyone save money, have fun while doing it. And, um, you know, we have a long ways to go. But, you know, getting to 12 is, is super exciting. I mean, it's such a it's such a cr- loyalty and long-term customer value are such an important topic for brands right now and for, for retailers because, uh, you know, it's, it's tough out there. Margins are tough and, uh, and acquisition costs are skyrocketing. And so it really requires, right? And you know this, and I want, would love you to talk about it, sort of the need for leaders to step back and really think about where are our next dollars coming from and what is the lowest cost way to do that? And then how do we harness 
that enthusiasm for our brand and to drive even more of that at a lower cost than sort of the, the usual fuel that people put on these fires. So I'd love you to just talk about Fetch and sort of how it fits into uh, into that sort of, A, am I right about sort of that narrative? And B, if so, how does Fetch sort of fit, fit into that? Yeah, and this is something that's obviously very near and dear to my heart. It's the reason why I started the company is an experience that I had moving from a freshman year dorm going to school at University of Wisconsin-Madison, where I was being fed every meal at the cafeteria and moving into an apartment for the first time ever my sophomore year and actually having to go shopping. And it was always just amazing to me that every brand I was buying, retailer I was shopping at was was telling me how much they cared about me as a consumer. They told me how much they care about my loyalty. And then they would say, here's all the hoops you can jump through if you want to actually get rewarded for it. And for me, that always felt backwards. And, and it makes sense, right? Because brands and retailers, you have executives that are sitting around the table thinking, how do we you know, stand out? How do we generate more, more value uh, or, or more revenue, whatever the case is? But I think very few people actually put on the hat of the consumer. They're thinking of that brand, no matter how big the brand is, that brand or retailer, they're probably only thinking of them for a teeny fraction of a day. And while the loyalty program may sound great when you live and breathe your brand as you should in your company, uh, maybe your most loyal customers will love it too and use it and get enough value out of it. But if you really want to, to, to move the needle in the long term, you have to talk, talk to and tap into the long tail of consumers. You know, loyalty programs have been amazing at capturing and communicating with your top 20% of customers who may account for 80% of your revenue today. But if you want to really move the needle, there's not that much more you can get out of those customers and you need to fight to retain them, which is what traditional loyalty programs are really good at. But if you're going after that long tail of the 80%, you have to think differently. You have to go and meet those consumers where they are telling you they want to be met. And that's what we think we're doing at Fetch is we've created this, this platform for them to participate, for them to submit transactions, for them to use that daily active, you know, on a, on a daily basis. And they will react in a really positive way and shift their behavior to the companies that come and meet them and show them that they are loyal to those households by offering them rewards in a way that is meaningful and on a platform that they're already comfortable using. So I think that's been the perspective shift is it's not that there's anything wrong with traditional loyalty programs. They're good and they have their place, but the, we need to think differently if we're going to try to tap into those long tails. And the thing is a customer is part of a long tail for one brand or another. Like not everyone is going to be the loyal customer for one place, maybe a long tail customer for another. And that's where someone like us as a third party can sit across all of that and not lose it because there's no such thing as a long tail for us because you can submit every transaction. So everyone's a core. Um, and then again, it's just those forward thinking brands, retailers, companies that come and communicate to those consumers, offer them the rewards uh, using our currency um, that get the get get more loyalty from those consumers and more dollars. And um, you know that that's what we're trying to do is we're, we're trying to really just help play that connection between the, the brands and their end consumers. So, so lay out for us uh, the the experience of a consumer using your app. Yeah. You so completely free application that pays you to use it. So go check it out. Why not? Right. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, all that we talk about with our consumers when they first come on board and using the application is we encourage them to just start submitting transactions. And you can do that by either taking a picture of a physical receipt 
or you can link your digital accounts. So think like your email, your Amazon account, you can just link those digitally and we'll pull in those transactions and you're gonna get rewarded every time you submit a transaction guaranteed. Now, what we'll do though, is we'll also utilize that information that you're providing us to then go out there and advocate on your behalf. We will fetch you incremental value by going out there and talking with those brands or companies in the categories that we see you care about. And we're gonna get them to try to come and offer you incremental points for either retaining your current behavior, maybe shifting your current behavior just slightly, maybe trying something new that we think you'll be interested in. Uh, and we'll deliver you points for doing that. So we, we might be, um, you know, and, and that will just take place when you scan a receipt in the future and you've accomplished uh, whatever the task was that was set out to earn points, you'll earn those points. And then you accumulate all of these points across all of the hundreds and hundreds of partners that we have. And you can go and redeem them for really hundreds of different options, everything from virtual gift cards to you can donate them to charity this time of season uh, or this time of year. You can enter them into sweepstakes, all kinds of things that you can do. We just want you to find something that's meaningful and valuable, and then we'll just help you keep earning more and more points. So roll out some of those top stats for me that I know we, we talked about when, when we first got introduced to you of sort of what, what scale people are actually doing this at. Yeah, so from, from the top level, you have over 11 million active, you know, monthly active users on the platform. We see that that represents about 7.2 million households that are active on the platform. Those households on average are submitting 26 to 27 transactions per month. Wow. And we just actually broke, if you took the dollars that are represented on those transactions, on an annual basis, we're capturing more than $100 billion of sales. Um, and that's really important. It's over $14,000 per household that we're capturing. Um, and that for us is, again, a consumer telling us, go get us rewards on all of these types of purchases. And it gives our sales teams the information and the ammo needed to go out there and find those companies that want to reward these millions of house, households and active users uh, and win their unfair share of the spend within those actual households. So again, it's unfair it, share. I love it. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's changing from a mentality of, you know, having to activate on a specific channel, uh, like one off channel, and you can now actually treat a household as a household, which means you're going to you're going to have full picture to ROI, you're going to have uh, a much more holistic message that's relevant to the consumer because you're treating them as their whole self, and not just a, as what they do at any one place. Yes, this is really interesting. So you're taking the entire trend of the consumer being in charge of the journey and really putting the power in their hands. And unlike a traditional loyalty program where the rewards are kind of narrow in the, in the span of, a, of an individual retailer, you're even giving them power, the you know, power of points to, 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 to spend across a whole range of options. I mean, this is, this, this is really interesting. It's, and it's, uh, it's also very, modern internet in the sense that you're taking an existing idea, the loyalty program, which addresses only a very small section of the market. And you're then expanding it to literally everybody as, as an addressable market who can participate. Um, I, I love it. So where my head goes on this and our audience are brand manufacturers, where my head goes is you've got to be capturing crazy amounts of data here. You've got you know, every household purchase $14,000 per household on 11 million households and $100 billion of purchases overall. It's just the staggering amounts of data. Uh, how does this data help a manufacturer 
grow faster? How did like, can you give us a case study on where that unfair share comes into play uh, based on the data that you're, that you're collecting in the system that you built? Yeah. So I think early on when we were relatively small in terms of number of households, the problem that we encountered was we just couldn't influence enough sales to make it really worth the time of the people to think about how to segment and go after. So during that time and history of the business, we were very focused on providing insights, um, helping them test things within our platform, then roll it out through uh, other channels that have larger scale. Um, and that was super exciting for them because we could identify, hey, a consumer who's uh, buying this brand new product, um, here's what else is in their cart, here's where else they're shopping, a lot of those you know, traditional type insights that you'd look for. But as we've scaled up and as we've continued to, I mean, at $100 billion per year, that's the equivalent of the seventh largest retailer in the U.S., and by the way, with a growth rate that will put us at number three within the next year. So at that type of scale, that that is starting to be a fundamentally different conversation in the value we can provide to our manufacturers. If we help them win an extra 5% with our households, we're talking about, depending on the brand, tens of millions of dollars of incremental sales that we're delivering for them. And, and the way that we're doing it is much more akin to how you would think about spending money online in digital uh, marketing or advertising, where I think Facebook and Google revolutionized the way marketers thought about it. Instead of buying demographics, they were all of a sudden going to use lookalike targeting to test campaigns and then roll it out to whoever it was most interesting to, regardless of demographics. We're essentially taking that same disruptive power and applying it to the, the, the terrestrial world. Because what Facebook and Google lack is a data source that, has, that can track a consumer across all of their spend in the physical world where 90% of their spend is still taking place, especially on traditional CPG type products. So what we're now able to do is a brand can come to us and say, we want to drive market share in this region by 2% and we're willing to do it at a profitability of X. And then our system will start rolling it out and different values. You might get a different offer than I get. The system is just understanding who our consumers are, understanding their price sensitivity, understanding when they go shopping. And it's deploying those, those dollars on behalf of that brand to achieve those objectives. So we're moving from something that was much more uh, you know, human directed, these types of consumers get this offer uh, to something that's much more objectives based. We want to do X, Y, or Z and, um, you know, how it gets there is less important than it actually just achieving the objective. Um, and, and what we love about it is when we turn around and then provide the reports back to any of our brand partners afterwards, we do real-time controlled statistically relevant sample sets that are holdouts. So if there's say 3 million of our households are directly applicable for an offer, maybe it holds out, you know, 150,000 of them that won't get the offer, won't get any additional points, but we'll keep submitting all of their transactions because of all of our other brands and offers that they have. And then we can actually see what was the different uh, behavior that was displayed by the consumers who got that offer versus the control group. And then we can truly tell them incrementality and ROI. And that's something that is... Uh, I think going to be a game changer and something that should be demanded across all partners uh, at some point is that level of rigor to determining ROI and value. So what's so interesting about that to me is if I'm going to reason by analogy here, Facebook increased the size of the advertising market in aggregate. You know, with the, with the, they didn't take traditional dollars that were spent by Procter & Gamble and Ford Motors and Coca-Cola and whatnot and move it from TV to Facebook. 
What instead they did was they created an advertising model that was easy enough for small businesses to get in, but was really sophisticated. And they did it in, in kind of a very similar way to what you're talking about, where what you would do as a business is you would say, the value to a conversion for me is a buck 50. Like I, I'm willing to, to spend up to X in order to make a conversion happen. And you put that in the, in the bidding model and they almost do the rest. It's a sort of, they figure out the, the, the optimal demographics. They do all this A-B testing in the background. They're building statistical models. And it just makes it super easy for somebody who's not a sophisticated data analyst and advertiser to reach people that are most likely to buy. Um, so you're effectively doing that for shopping across, across all channels. So the next question I've got for you is then, if my reasoning by analogy is, is accurate, if Facebook's expanding the advertising market to lots of small businesses and, and game studios that are small and other folks that, that traditionally haven't been able to participate, are, are you do, seeing the same for Fetch Rewards? Are you seeing smaller up-and-coming direct-to-consumer brands that are looking to grow share, growing it through your platform? Or is some of that just dependent upon these, these brands first getting brick distribution through traditional retail before they can take advantage of it? So I think, that, I mean, there's multiple lenses there to when we talk about up and coming products, right? Uh, every major CPG has new innovations that they're trying to launch. And what they're trying to do is support the ACV build when they are rolling out region by region. And the beautiful thing about a platform like Fetch is we can roll out with them because we can target people who are shopping at, let's say it's starting at a Target, starting at Target within Missouri. And we can then communicate to those customers, letting them know of this new product that maybe Frito-Lay just launched, help them continue to build that, that, that volume that they need to then go get the reorder and expand into additional brick and mortar locations and show it's a great story to carry that product. So we do that for our large CPG partners, but we also absolutely do it with our small, uh, you know, smaller up and coming partners. I mean, back to the roots, which is uh, growing mushrooms at home in their little packages is a big partner of ours that, that we've been super excited about because as we've rolled it out, our consumers have loved it. And we see there's a huge, especially as more people are spending time at home, this concept of, wow, I can grow my own food at home and eat it at, at a cost that's really low and feels good. They're interested in it. So we've partnered with them. We we're going to continue partnering with them in the, in, in, moving forward. But there's dozens and dozens of others like that, that we're super excited that we get to help them build their brand, help them accelerate um, you know, and break through the noise of what it would normally be to find shelf space or anything like that. Because at the end of the day, our shelf space is the consumer's eyeballs looking at the phone. Um, and, and we can definitely, again, through our lookalike modeling, see which types of consumers are going to be really excited about this product and make sure that they're seeing it. Yeah, this seems to me like an absolute killer new route to market for customer acquisition for a brand that wants to take over. Um, it's funny though, when you said companies helping people grow mushrooms at home and I was like, whoa, wait a second. I had a completely different thought, but. Uh... Maybe they'll do a line extension. We don't know yet, but uh, line extension. so far it's the kind that you would uh, use in a saute. <laughs> make my bolognese even better. Exactly. So Wes, you were talking earlier about sort of the 80-20 that, that loyalty program, traditional loyalty programs have often you know, focused on or are able to only engage with the 20% that's most enthusiastic. What I'm super interested in now is one of the newest campaign types that you're supporting is actually 
tapping into your network to get reviews created. And, uh, and that to me, I don't, I, A, I'd love to know whether you're seeing those reviews come from sort of that 20% enthusiastic, most enthusiastic, or because you have the long tail, you're seeing it coming from almost anywhere. But that's sort of a detail next to, holy crap, 11 million possible or 12 million possible reviewers sitting there who you know they brought the, the, bought the product. They they have experience, so I I would love to hear about sort of this new this new campaign type people can do. Yeah, the lens we always challenge ourselves to look at these type of problems with is a consumer first mindset. So when we thought about reviews, we thought about well, what is the pain point for the consumer today? And what we see that consumers are wanting to see is they're wanting to see recency of reviews, and they're wanting them to be trustworthy because nowadays the market's being flooded with ones that you cannot trust. Yeah. And so we identified that both of those, if we could help solve those for our users would be super valuable. And that our consumers, we've even seen Facebook groups where someone will submit a receipt, have bought back to the roots mushrooms, and someone will say, how are they? And we'll see entire Facebook conversations with our users advocating for a product that they may have tried and liked and all of those things, but they're having to do it on their own. So we, we started to think, well, could we bring that to life for them in the application, make it so that they, they can have their voice heard so that they can share their voice with the other real fetch consumers and get it out there. What we started to see, so then we tur turned that coin over and said, okay, well, what have the problems been from a business perspective? Why, why are reviews so hard to generate? Well, first is you have to either bombard someone with messages who just bought it online where you actually have an email address. And it's really tough though. How do you know whether you should ask for a review or you should show them the promotion that's available next week? Uh, because you only get so much time and mind share when someone's getting an Amazon you know, email or something like that. Um, so, so it's hard to break through the noise. Um, and not everyone's buying online for a lot of these products and, and, and when they are, so then, then you have to either ship them the product and ask them to write a review. And then you ship a bunch of these products out. Not everyone responds and it's really, really expensive. So that's tough too. So what we, we started to identify that we could do is with our, not only are there more than 11 million active users on there, but we have historical data on them to see that these are real people. These are real customers. Uh, they display shopping behaviors that are clearly an actual human. Perfect. So then now they're in our segment of being, <laughs> these are real people that we would believe if we could get a, a, a review from. Then we go into the item level and say, okay, well, we've seen that they bought Tom's main because we actually did a program with them. We, we see that they bought Tom's main toothpaste uh, at this retailer uh, yesterday. Then we can prompt them and say, rate this. How was this? Um, and then we can generate that, that review without having to ship them a product. We can reward them with some points that are meaningful because there's not all the overhead cost anymore. And then we can generate 10, 20, 30 times more, uh, reviews from consumers through this methodology. And you can keep it going ongoing so that for Tom's main, those reviews get piped through our partnerships onto retail, uh, websites or online portals and they can get a volume that they can actually afford to be consistent, ongoing, and from validated confirmed purchasers who aren't spamming the system or cheating the system. So I think because of all of those different factors, we decided it was going to be something we would um, start doing a little bit more on. And um, so far we've been really excited by the results and continue to think we actually are releasing a social feed within the app where you can connect with friends, you can compete on leaderboards of points and all these kind of fun things. Since so many of our users are friends and family members of one another. Um, but we're excited to see, hey, can you also show reviews through there too? So not only does it get piped into the website, but it's also then being 
displayed to consumers on the Fetch app. And, you know, Fetch could become a source of truth and trust for getting information about how a product is. And the, and the, the numbers that you told us about Toms of Maine was that they collected 3,500 reviews in a three-day period. Yeah, we had to uh, slow it down at, at that point. I think we kind of blew through uh, the allotment that we were trying to get through. And uh, yeah, we were super excited by it. I mean, that's a, you know, a single brand, um, single product that we were going after there. Um, so yeah, really excited by the potential and scaling that up as, as a part of the platform. And you see the algorithms react, right? Because I think you said that, that it had a, a big impact on where they show up in search results went up in search results, their overall rating went up too. Um, because again, you're not just blindly sending out samples to people who may or may not like it. You're talking to people who are choosing to buy the product. So are probably already more predisposed to be interested in a product like and, that. And for the search rankings though, real quick though, for the search rankings, are you getting those on where? Like amazon.com? Are you getting them going, publishing them through the Bizarre Voice Network or just logistically, where, where do the reviews end up showing up? Yeah, so we've been working with Power Reviews. So it pipes in through theirs and they can obviously farm those out to Bazaar or through their own channels and they can start uh, dispersing and uh, populating through a host of different channels, all the ones that you mentioned and more. Oh, Power Reviews, wait a minute. So you have Peter Bond working for you now who's oh, yes. on the CPG Guys podcast. We are uh, great podcast cohorts and uh, he used to be at at Power Reviews, I'm sensing a connection here. There may have been a slight connection uh, <laughs> and method to the madness there that was orestrated from someone who knew what they were doing. <laughs> um, yeah, I respect awesome. I respect it. I respect it. That's amazing. You know, one of the other things you you don't talk about another case study with reviews that I thought was fascinating, which is the power of those reviews to actually impact product design. Like we, we hope that consumer voice will find its way into the entire organization. And often the silos can stand in the way of that happening. But can you walk us through sort of how that has happened um, in, in an example? Yeah. So, uh, you know, through this one-to-one relationship with the consumer, it's allows us the, the, the channel and the path to have a lot of different conversations with them, whether that's alerting them of, you know, promotionally, hey, if you go buy more of this product, you're going to earn more so we can help drive sales. One, one thing could drive reviews, but we can also talk to those customers. We can ask them questions. We could give them surveys. What do you think about this pack or this pack? Um, or, or, or what speaks to you more? We could look at the rest of the items that they purchase and see, okay, well, they're clearly heading towards more matte finish type products um, you know, that have this type of look. So we're, there's actually a bunch of different ways that we're tapping into being able to answer those types of questions for our partners, whether it's through directly asking consumers, using the data to actually better uh, understand and validate what consumers are saying that uh, you know this flavor, this packaging is, is more interesting. So we definitely believe that for any partner out there who's considering launching new products, actively launching new products and trying to optimize and expand, um, you know, we offer a suite of different tools that can help them from, you know, helping them gain sales and distribution to refining down the actual product, the flavor tip profile, the, the look and feel of it all the way through to reviews uh, and that entire life cycle that really helps accelerate a product's uh, expansion into a market. So you've got, now, two different types of campaigns that we've talked about here. If you're, if you're a brand manufacturer, you can run a rewards campaign to raise you know, market share within a region or within, within an area. 
Um, you know, the example you gave is, hey, you want to raise it by two points. How do you raise it by two points? And so as a manufacturer, I can set a profitability limit and just kind of pump money and, and rewards into the system and, and see sales increase. And then the other one is I can get, re get uh, reviews. Um, and I'd imagine that either today or from a roadmap perspective, given that you've got this one-to-one -one relationship with the audience and given that you mentioned that you're building on social, there's a ton of other possibilities for campaign types or action types that a brand could use. I mean, what, one example is brands are already spending a bunch of creative dollars and production dollars on short form video for Instagram or TikTok or wherever else they're, they're putting their branding. But maybe that has a place in the app somewhere. I don't know. But, uh, but what, what are the other types of things that brands can do uh, through, your, through your network right now? One of our partners over at Kimberly Clark with Huggies, um, one of the programs that we ran with them, they had been working on their own loyalty program called Huggies Rewards for about a decade. Um, but again, they ran into some of those fundamental problems that I mentioned earlier before. They were really talking with their 20% of their best customers and struggling to then talk with the rest. And what they realized is in the Fetch ecosystem, we already had more diaper purchasers than they had in their entire program after 10 years. So we actually integrated it into the Fetch ecosystem where you can now sign up for Huggies Rewards directly in the Fetch app. So when you do that, we can identify, okay, here's, here, here's diaper buyers. We can, we can then let them know, hey, there's even more content for you if you sign up for Huggies Rewards. They provide us the date of birth for their, for, for their child. Um, they then get an annual subscription to Parent Magazine for free, automatically sent to them. And then they're basically opted in to earn incrementally more rewards having now opted into that secondary program within the Fetch ecosystem where, you know, maybe if you spend 300 points, we'll send you embroidered diapers with your, your baby's name on them or something that you normally just can't spend to get. Um, so what we love about that for our brands, and we now run Pepsi Tasty Rewards is another example, their loyalty program run in the Fetch ecosystem um, where you can now get other content and value uh, above and beyond the base points that we're able to award. It's giving our brands the platform to create a space that is branded as their own and to not have to worry about running their own mobile application and to worry about driving acquisition, all the expensive things that we have to raise a lot of money to do. They can ride on our coattails to do that. And for us, we love it too, because our consumers want that brand experience. They want certain ones to lean in more and be, be, be closer with. So um, that's another big way that we've, we've worked with um, brands to really bring them to life within our ecosystem above and beyond all the things we've already talked about. So Wes, uh, is, this, is all of this global? Like where are those 11 million uh, current users coming from? And what are, your, what are your plans for global world domination? So, to, so today we are just in the United States. Okay. Um, we're super fortunate that two, twofold. One, we're, we're very good at finding consumers that are interested in saving money, having fun while doing it, and on a really easy platform. So we don't have to rely on a bunch of mass market and, you know, even our brand awareness, I would say is relatively low because we're very targeted. Once someone hears about it, we're really good at converting them to actually download, sign up and use the application. And the other thing we're really fortunate with is they retain really, really well with us. So both of those things to combined to why we can be at 11 million monthly active house or monthly, monthly active users, but still believe that there is a four or five X in front of us. We don't think we've, we've tapped out the market here in the U S so we are very focused to continue to accelerate. 
uh, in the US and to continue to get just more penetration into the market, make sure that we are serving as many consumers as we can, as many households as we can. That all being said, we're really excited that in Q1, we're actually launching Spanish in the app. So the app will be fully native in Spanish as well, um, which is absolutely, we think the right thing to do, given all the first, uh, you know, Spanish first language speakers that we have in the US and that we already have in the Fetch application, we think it'll give them a better experience. That all to say, though, that getting the app and the platform ready to hold multiple languages may be a signal towards some of our ambitions of where we want to go in the future. That's terrific. And also, I, I did hear that you just entered the restaurant market in September. Yes, we are super excited about that because, you know, traditionally we had been really focused on, you know, grocery, mass, drug, convenience, all of those. But honestly, what we started doing is just listening to our users. They started submitting millions of receipts from restaurants. They, they, and we couldn't figure out why at first. But then we started to realize, oh, they're just telling us they want us to go get them points from restaurants. And the beautiful thing was when we went in and started talking with restaurants, we were saying, hey, there's this many million customers that we have that are already shopping at your location or maybe your competitors that we'd love to help you win with. Um, So it was like we were able to go in there with an amazing sales story. And we found amazing early partners with, you know, Panera, with Papa John's, um, you know, with Burger King. These groups that are very forward thinking of just saying, you're right, we need to meet the customer where they want to be met at. Uh, And they come onto the Fetch platform and uh, reward customers with points. We're we're starting to be able to do all kinds of different uh, targeting off of items that they're buying, times of day that they're buying. Huge amounts of our users have geolocation already turned on so we can do things that are super relevant based upon where the customer is going and the time of the day. Um, so yeah, we're really, really excited about it. We think it's, you know, it's one of the fastest growing verticals for us and uh, of the business. Uh, we have an individual named Jason Marker who came over. He was previously the CEO of CKE or Carl's Jr. and Hardee's. So we have a great restaurant expert that is leading that vertical for us and continuing to seed additional ones. But we think we're at the tip of the iceberg for what we're going to be able to do on the restaurant QSR front. But we have some awesome partners who are already live and seeing the results and it's proven out. It can do the same things that we were able to do for CPGs and retailers on that side of the market. We can do for restaurants too. Yeah. For restaurants, you've got, you name some of the big chains, the Papa John's and whatnot. There's also here in Boston, we've got Toast, which recently had the mass monster IPO, which deals with a lot of the smaller chains for, for POS systems and runs their own loyalty programs. Um, there's, there's likely probably a collaboration somewhere in there. Um, but what, what I will say is as you go into restaurants, I would love it if you fix the restaurant review problem. The Yelp, I find very annoying for restaurant reviews because it's always like uh, one star, the food was good, but too expensive or, or whatever, <laughs> just things that just don't, don't matter to me anyway. And so uh, I, I would love for a restaurant review system that somehow personalizes the reviews to, you know, people like me or, or whatnot. Um, but I'm going to throw that feature request in there. Well, <laughs> we'll, you uh, in. we'll, 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 uh, we'll add it to the roadmap and you'll be the first call to uh, be doing <laughs> user testing with us on it. But I agree with you. There's some fundamental problems that they're facing there. Also with delivery companies in the mix, they're, they're, oh, yeah. there's a, it's a really fascinating space right now. Um, and again, the, the, the way we approach any new space is what would make that experience better for consumers? Uh, and then we just go and fight for them. Um, so I think that that reviews one is a very real, you know, potential long-term thing that we will try to go and help with. 
Well, Wes, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, I think both Rob and I, and, and clearly 11 million other people, just think you're you're. Uh, it's it's so inspiring to hear how focused you are on the consumer experience. Like, number one what's their journey and then everything else falls out of that and i think all of us can take a lesson from that singular focus and and coming back to that so it's fun to hear that it's great to hear your enthusiasm and we really look forward to to watching your growth and uh and seeing seeing where it all goes so thank you so much for sharing this with the digital shelf institute audience we appreciate it well thanks so much for having me it was a pleasure thanks again to wes for joining us if you enjoyed this podcast tell your friends Hmm, maybe we should use fetch rewards. Hmm. Anyway, thank you as always for being part of our community. <laughs>